Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Good evening. What may I get started for you? Hmm. I'm thinking about getting the approval of others. Should I? Oh, definitely. I'll have that. Excellent choice. It comes with 2,000 Facebook likes. And for you, madam? Well, I will also have the approval of others, but on a bigger, much nicer plate than hers. Uh, Can I get the likes and followers? Of course. Two popularity specials, one with comparison and one without. I'll get that started for you and also bring out a basket of selfie sticks. Yes, Yes, please. (laughs) Well, good morning. I am incredibly excited to be here. Um, as Jason and I have been talking about this for a while, I, I was thinking through, man, I wonder why Jason asked me. Could it be um, because of just my incredible ability to articulate the truths of Scripture? Could it be the wide-ranging experiences that I've had around the world? And uh, I thought a little bit more, and as I was um, you know, getting ready and looking in the mirror, I think it has to do with our same name and same hairstyle. <laughs> Maybe that's what this is about. Um, I, I'm really, when, when I sit here, and I, I told the, um, the groups that, that I was with this weekend, just to sit here and see this is I actually have the opportunity to see a vision and a dream that God laid on Jason's heart and some of you guys that dove in to help lead in this work. Um, and I never imagined that this would be here. Jason walked me up here when he was looking at the space, and it was just an empty shell full of dirt. And to see all of you guys coming together, worshiping God at the top of your lungs, is truly a dream realized. And I just want to express my deepest gratitude for the opportunity to come back and be a part of this. Today, we're going to talk about love over hate and choosing love over hate. And I think that's such a powerful message Because what we find is that love and hate is a choice. Now, I want to go back in time for just a little bit, and I want to show you a few things that we used to love that now we probably hate. Now, for those of you that are younger, this is going to actually be a history lesson. You might not have an idea about what's on the screen. So let's show this first thing here. Now, back in the day, if you had this, you were it. Right? You were it. This is the, uh, a beeper or a pager. And how this works, kids, is uh, in the old days, the phones were connected to the wall. And what happened was when your mama wanted to get a hold of you, actually it was work because we couldn't afford pagers back then, right? They would call this number, type in your phone number, and then if you really needed to be called right then, you would type in 911, right? That's a pager. Those are cool then, they're not cool now, just in case, you know, I mean, maybe there's a reason, I don't know, but I'd love to hear it. All right, let's see what else. What else was really, we used to love? All right, now listen, some of you are thinking right now, ooh, I still got a bunch of those, right? So there's no shame, I'm not about shame and guilt here, and I encourage you to keep them in a box, but these are Beanie Babies, right? Beanie Babies used to be the thing, like literally women used to pull hair and fight and scratch and claw over these. And actually, one of my daughters looked it up online, and some of these are worth a lot of money. But they were really cool then. Uh, people loved them, and not so much now. 
uh, we were doing this big event at our church. And when uh, the Beanie Babies were giveaways, you know when a church is giving them away, they have kind of hit the low end of the totem pole, right? All right, let's see what else we've got. Oh, now this is the jam right here, right? Now, I didn't want to go too far back, so I didn't put the old uh, tape cassette player, right? But you know you love this. Um, The struggle was... Like, you could run with a tape player and it wouldn't skip, but if you had one of those, right, you had to run down the road like this, you know, because if it bumped just a little bit, you know, then it would skip. And, and it was really cool when you got that tape adapter, right, then you could plug it into the tape player of your car, and then you could play your CDs, right? Man, it, you definitely love that and, and not so much anymore. There, there's another one, and I don't know, kids, if you know what this is. But we used to love going here. I mean, as a kid, my mom would say, here's my little card. You can go inside and pick a movie, right? And you would go around and, and you would look. And in and, and some places, you didn't know if it was there or not. You have to go ask. And then they, they changed it up a little bit. But this actually is a, a shot from Blockbuster, which, again, some of you probably don't even know who that is. But that, we used to love going to Blockbuster. And now we hate if you have to drive anywhere to go to a movie, I've got one more, and this might make you cringe. But guys, I want you to know, when we first heard this sound, we loved it because it meant freedom in the digital universe. Let's listen. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I'm going to interpret for some of you guys. That right there was the sound that used to make when you would actually dial into the internet, right? That was back when AOL was cool. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. But we loved it, and that was freedom for us because we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to sit here for five minutes and wait for a picture to download, right? But now, if you go anywhere, and, and God's allowed me to do the opportunity to do some international work, and some of the places, that's what we have to use, and And you hate that sound because you know that means you're going to be waiting for hours. You know, the thing about love and hate is that it's a choice, right? It's not really the first feeling that you feel because that that really could be lots of things. You know, that could just be passion. It could be attraction. It could be chemistry. It could even be lust. And love is not the first thing that you feel. Neither is hate. Love and hate always follow an action. And when we think about today, and because and, in my job, like I, I'm a counseling pastor, so I do a lot more one-on-one than I do this stuff. So we're going to pretend like this is a counseling setting and that it's just you and I, every one of us in here. But, but what we do is there's things in our past that we remember the choice that we made. And it's how we respond to that that really makes the choice if this response is going to turn into love or turn into hate. So what I want you to do with me just in this moment, and it's going to be a little bit painful, but I want you to think back about a big choice, a big gnarly, hairy choice that you regret, something that you might even feel a lot of shame for, and it could be even something that you're carrying with you right now, and you've been carrying it for a long time, and I want you to bring that memory up. Now, what I want you to understand is in our marriages, we're we're full of those choices and those things and those memories. But this isn't just for those of us that are married. 
It doesn't matter if you're six or you're 62. We all have things that we regret. And we all have choices that in that moment lead to something else. And what I want you to know about God is that God always chooses to love you. Always. It doesn't matter how dark your past is. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you thought. That God always chooses love. He doesn't choose hate. He always chooses love. And what our role in this is for us to choose him. So when we step back and look about this whole idea of choosing love over hate, God has already made that decision. And he's waiting for us to turn to him. Today, we're going to look at two people in the Bible, and I think one of the men is one of the most hated men in the Bible, that his name is actually synonymous with every dark thing that could ever happen, and another guy that was right there with him, and really those two people are Judas and Peter. So what we're going to do, and and I'm not going to have time to read all through this because we're going to blow through some scripture really quickly, but I want to encourage you to go back and read it, but we're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew chapter 26. And 27. Now, when we look, and let me set the stage here, is that God called these 12 disciples. He called these 12 men. And if you look at Matthew chapter 10, he gave them a lot of authority and power. Now, when I say them, I mean all 12. That also includes Judas. And what he says in Matthew 10 is he gave authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, to heal every disease and heal every sickness. And then he lists all of the disciples. And in that list, guess who's in the list? Judas. And in some translations, when you read it, it says Judas who became a traitor. To me, the way that I look at it was this is the Judas that's going to be, not the Judas who is today. So the first thing, and for all of us that have been in church forever, I want you to understand that every single one of us have the potential to be a Judas in our lives. That none of us should think of ourselves as too holy, too righteous, or too out of touch that we can never get stuck in sin because it'll come and it always comes. And the thing that's so deceptive about Satan is that Satan knows your back door. For some of you, your back door might be pornography on the internet. Some of you, your back door might be the feelings that you have for your little sister or your big sister or your little brother and you're 45 years old. Some of it might be drugs, alcohol, relationships. Who knows? But the devil knows. And if you're going to get stuck, he's going to find the place that you get stuck the easiest. So what we've got to realize is that in Scripture, Judas became a traitor. All of us have the potential to become, and it's but by the grace of God that we don't. So we've got to remember to have those boundaries around our lives. But when we look at that and I think, ah, that's so sad. Because when we go on and we read about all of the things that Peter did and James did and John did, we don't have the choice to read about what Judas did. And it's because of what Judas chose to do. Not his big failure, but what he chose to do after, and we'll get to that. So when we jump into Matthew chapter 26, we've got this, so we got this idea. We've got the 12 disciples, Peter and Judas are disciples at this time. They've been doing good stuff. They've been feeding the 5,000. They've been healing people. I mean, they've just been going out and doing the work. And now this is the time. Palm Sunday had happened. It's now time that Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross, but they don't know it yet. So what I want us to do is to take some time and go through and look how similar Peter and Judas are until we get to the very end where we see where they split. Here's the first thing. 
they both served and they served diligently. Now they went out and, and like I said, they fed the 5,000 and, and we talked all about that. So I'm not gonna belabor that point, but, but they kept pressing on and now they get to this point where they're sitting and they're having the, the last supper. You know that uh, painting that you probably see in your grandparents' house that's old and faded and got all those guys sitting at the table with Jesus in the middle. Now, that's not a snapshot. They didn't have cameras back then, but that's what I'm talking about. So they're there and they're eating. And at this moment, this is what happened to both Petus and Judah. Judas and Peter. There we go. They both were warned that they were about to mess it up. Both of them. Not just one, not the other. And if we look right here, uh, chapter 26, looking down in uh, verse 21, while they were eating, he said, I assure you, one of you will betray me. And this really distressed the disciples. And every one of them said, not me, not me, not me. It is just like my house when I walk in and something is broken, right? I've got four beautiful kids and every one of them always, they promise that not me is the one that did it. Right? Well, Judas says, not, all the disciples have said, not me, not me, not me. And then Jesus goes on to says, and says this. Jesus replied, the one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. Now, we don't know all the context, but we know that that was an indication that Judas was there, that Judas was the one that dipped his hand in the bowl. And this is what's so interesting, because we think of Judas as the bad guy, but Judas had a position of authority within the disciples, because, you know, they had another tax collector that was in there that should have been the one to manage the money. But when you read, Judas was the one that managed the money. And evidently, he was pretty good at it. So when you look at the commentary here, which is people studying what this is really saying, and they say, obviously, even the disciples themselves didn't believe Judas would be the one. But it goes on, and Judas said, then he then he replied, surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said, you said it. I want you to know that when we're stepping in and making choices, there's almost always some warning signs that are there. See, Judas didn't step in to making this choice of to portray Jesus without there being some warning signs that, hey, you know, I know this is going down. But he still chose to go in. Let's look at Peter. So then Jesus goes on down and he says, hey guys, this is going to happen tonight and all of you guys are going to scatter. And you know, Peter, he's this bold, brash guy who says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And if you jump down to um, verse 31, and I'll tell you what Jesus said. He said, all of you will run away because of me. And then he goes and says where it's written in the Old Testament. And then Peter said, even if everyone runs away because of you, I will never run away. And then Jesus jumps in and says, hey, I assure you, not only are you going to run away, but you're gonna, you are going to deny me three times. Now, I don't know what warning God is telling you right now. And what I find for me is it's that nagging thought in the back of my mind that I can't shake. It's that thing that just kind of makes me feel a little unsettled as I'm stepping into it. Now, this is what gets really dangerous when we talk about choices, is that the longer I ignore that prodding of the Holy Spirit, my conscience, some people will call it, that tells me not to do something, that I can actually make that go pretty quiet. If we've been living in poor choices long enough, 
then they don't feel so poor anymore. And that is true for your marriage and that's true for the choices that you make if you're just a kid. My prayer for all of us is that none of us make decisions that quench the voice of the Lord that's speaking into our heart. So Peter and Judas served, Peter and Judas were warned, and then Peter and Judas failed. And then if you go on and you read later on that chapter, uh, verse 47, while he was still speaking, this is Jesus, Judas, one of the 12, suddenly arrived, a large mob of swords and clubs. They came up to him, the chief priests and the elders of the people, and his betrayer had given a sign. The one I kissed, that's the one, arrest him. So he went right up to Jesus, said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Epic failure, probably one of the greatest failures in the whole entire, entirety of humanity. But see, he failed and we failed. We all failed. If you go on and you read about Peter and, and you look through everything that happened, he did deny him three times. And not only did Peter deny him three times, but if you read through looking at verse 69 and going on down, Peter said, they said to him, hey, you know, you know Jesus. No, I don't know him. And then a, a woman said, hey, you know him. I don't know the man. And then somebody else said it. And then he gets angry and Peter curses and he cursed on an oath. I mean, he just escalated it up. When he went from making a bad choice, he made it even worse. Have you ever been at that place in your life where you've made a season, have been in a season of making poor choices? And then you go from making bad choices to making worse choices? What I want you to know is that God's choice to love you doesn't waver during those seasons. But if we're going to be really honest, the pain of life begins to creep up and to wrap us up and to suck us into a darker place than we've ever been before in our ever. It is not because of God's love that we experience that pain. It's because of our choices. And God loves us too much to allow us to sit in that. So Peter and Judas, they served together. Peter and Judas were both warned. Peter and Judas both failed. And I want you to know this, that you are not defined by your failures. You're not. There's a guy that's well known to us that at the age of 14, he dropped out of school and then he tried to be a blacksmith and then he tried to be a streetcar driver and then he wasn't good at that either. Then he jumped into the military at the age of 16. He lied to get in early. That didn't work out for him either. So when he was done with his enlistment, he got out and then he tried to be a blacksmith and he tried to be a farmhand and that didn't work out. So then he got on with the railroad and he loved that job, got a wife. And then that didn't work out. He got fired. Went home to tell his wife that he got fired from the railroad. And his wife said, I'm pregnant. And then he went on. And then his wife was like, but I can't be with a jobless man. So then she left him with the kid. And while he was out trying to find work, she took everything. And he had nothing. He had nothing. So then he went and he tried to find another job. Couldn't find another job. And he ended up being a cook and a bottle washer. And he just wandered through life the best that he could. Then finally, it was time for retirement. He got his first Social Security check, about $105. And he said, you know what? I cannot be a failure. So then he opened up this chicken restaurant in Corbin, Kentucky. And at the age of 86, Colonel Sanders, who lived a life of failure, became a success. 
I don't know what seasons of choices you've been making, but it doesn't matter how old you are or how bad it is. God always chooses to love you. He needs you to take that step. So when we look at Peter and Judas, they served, they were warned, they failed, and then you look at it, they both, they agonized. They absolutely agonized over the decision. Because what you see here is that Judas, and this is what's interesting, because Judas fell apart after he realized that Jesus wasn't going to get out of this. Now, I wonder if this was part of some scheme of Judas. Because, you know, he actually had been sneaking some of the money from the disciples. And maybe this was just a big plan, right? It's not that Judas was trying to be this really bad guy. He just knew Jesus was a big dude. So maybe if I just get some 30 shekels off of this and then Jesus can get the angels and he can fly out, we're going to be all good. Have you ever been in a situation where you chose to do something a little off the side just to make a quick something? And then you get in so deep that you can't get out? Well, when he realized that Jesus was being condemned and he wasn't going to get out of it, it says here in uh, chapter 27, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, this is Jesus, was full of remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver. When we get what we want that's not out of God, that is outside of God's plan, it doesn't taste as sweet. And what I find is that we will chase after this stuff and we'll always end up empty. What I find is sometimes we get in the cycle of I want this and I get it and then I'm left empty and then I feel guilt but then I feel so much shame, I don't go back to God, so then I go back to what helps me check out for a few minutes. And then I end up empty, but then I feel shame, but then I gotta check out again, and God says, time out. Choose me because I chose already to love you. Peter also had regret, because after, because Jesus said, you'll deny me, you'll deny me three times, the rooster's gonna crow, and then you'll know. And sure enough, after the third time, immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken and he went outside and he wept bitterly. There's still that same pattern. They're still the same. They still served. They still were warned. They still failed. And they both had some deep, deep grief for the decision that they made. But this is where they begin to split. And as I ask you guys to think about that choice that you made whenever it was, yesterday or 14 or 15 or 40 years ago, this is where Jesus is meeting you. Judas chose to isolate himself. When you read this, what it said that he went back to them and he, he said to, the, to the, the chief priests and the elders, and he said, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? They said, see it to yourself. And is that not the truth? Have you ever been in with some friends that have got you pulled into a situation? And then you go back to them and say, hey, man, I don't think we should have been doing this. And then they leave you. Hey, it's not my problem. So Judas isolated, verse 5 in chapter 27. So he threw the silver into the sanctuary, and he departed. When we look at this, Judas' decision was to isolate himself. 
And that isolation led to his death. Because he threw the silver in the sanctuary and he departed. He left. He isolated. And then he went and he hung himself. Now, some of you guys are in a place in which you went from a bad choice to now you're isolating yourself and now you're dying. It might not be an immediate death like Judas, but it's a slow death that is slowly eating away at you. It's eating away at your kids and it's eating away at your marriage. Or maybe you're in high school and it's eating away at your testimony. But I want you to know that you will never experience the love of Christ all by yourself. You've got to be a part of a community. Judas chose wrong, he chose isolation, and then he experienced death. If you want to experience life, you've got to look at what Peter did. And I'll just say it real quickly just because of time, but if if you look and and you jump on back into Luke, what we find is that Jesus is, is rose today again, uh, again, and then the disciples are all together. And what, she, what Peter chose was community. See, Peter didn't choose to go by himself, even though Peter denied Jesus. Not only did Peter deny Jesus, but Jesus called him out in front of all of his friends and said, you're going to do it. And he said, no, I'm not. And then he did. And we don't know how, we don't know when, but what we know is that Peter ended up back with the disciples and that we look in this chapter in Luke that he's out there fishing with the disciples and then in that moment, Jesus shows up for the third time on the beach and then he's talking to him and Peter says, is that you, Jesus? And Peter cannot contain his excitement and he jumps out of the boat and he swims to the shore and he meets Jesus right there. What I want you to know is that Jesus is choosing love for you right now, right where you are, and he has come to you, and he is waiting for you to get out of the boat and come to him so that you can experience the restoration that he promises. There's nothing fancy about it. It's just a willing heart that recognizes the wrong and that is praying and embracing for the right. So when we look at restoration, I want you to know that this process will take time. Because when we look at what Jesus did in the scripture, it said that this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. So that means that Peter and Jesus had encountered one another two times before this one right here. There's sometimes when we do something wrong, we want to press in and we want to fix it right now. And maybe with the relationships that you're in, there does need to be a moment to breathe. Maybe it's because your family's waiting to see if this is authentic or this is genuine. I don't know. But what I know is I don't want you to give up. I want you to get out of the boat and to run to him. And what's awesome about this and and being a man that loves seafood, Jesus says to Peter, grab some fish, bring it up here. And then Jesus starts cooking. Now he's sitting there on the beach with the man that denied him, fixing him a meal. And then he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then as he's asking Peter, Peter's saying, yes, yes. And he's getting mad. He's saying, yes, I love you. And then Jesus tells him, then do this, then go. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. It's time for you to go. I need you to do this. Christ chose Peter and expressed his love for him. And as an expression of his love, he called Peter to go do action. When you choose to accept the love of Christ, you can't help but do something about it. 
And in that, other people can experience the love that he has for them. So it boils down to just this right here between choosing life and choosing love and choosing hate that Jesus has already made his choice. He's waiting for you to make yours. See, we don't know because Judas chose to isolate. Judas chose death. But I wonder, what if Judas, instead of choosing to isolate and run off, he chose community and ran back to the disciples? For an all-knowing, all-power, omnipotent God who anything can be done by him. I think if Judas would have given the chance, then I bet God would have chosen love with him too. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. He's already chosen love. My prayer is that you would choose it too. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this morning and the chance to dig into your word. I praise you, Lord, for the opportunity to be encouraged by choices. And my hope, Lord, is whatever it is in our mind right now that um, is, is just, it's been eating us alive. It's been gnawing at us. It could be the decisions that we've made in our marriage. It, it could be the decisions that we've made at school. It could be the decisions that we made at home or maybe when we're alone. It could be the decisions that we make when we're down and depressed and angry. God, I praise you for choosing love, for waiting for us and knowing that you promise us freedom. And God, may there be nothing that hinders us, nothing that keeps us from running to you. And as a community, may we wrap around those that are running so that they cannot go. And may we be willing to be transparent so that we can experience what you have. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.